Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to Rum Buncher Radio. Episode number 40, Trey Yannity, Marty Leap, Nick Caparoso with you as always. Gentlemen, breaking news today, the Pittsburgh Pirates have traded their ace, Jamison Tyone, to the New York Yankees in exchange for four prospects. This deal coming as the second in the last week for the Pirates. Now nine prospects added in that time. Jamo was an ace and, and has dealt with all kinds of crazy injury history. He had two Tommy John surgeries, battled back from testicular cancer, Hasn't pitched since May of 2019. What's your initial reaction to this deal, gentlemen? And where does this leave the Pirates as we stand just a month from spring training 2021? You know, of the four players the Pirates added in the game's entire on trade, even though Michael Escada is the one who's furthest away from the majors, he might be the guy I'm most excited about, honestly. Um you know, when he signed with the Yankees out of the Dominican Republic in July of 2018, the Pirates were extremely interested in him. And obviously this is the old regime, but there was a lot of belief at the time the Pirates were going to sign him. And then the Yankees kind of swept in at the last minute and got him. But, you know, he's, he's a middle infielder, probably could play some third base down the road. He's known for, as a prospect, his big the big thing on his scouting report is his gap power. You know, at the DSL with the Yankees in 2018 or 2019, excuse me, he had a very good 14.7% walk rate, which a lot of guys that young just don't have that good of an eye and that much patience at the plate. So he, he's definitely a hitter with a lot of potential. Um, there's some quirks in his swing that don't need to work out a little bit. Um, if you want to go on Twitter and check out Pirates Analytics run by a friend of the podcast, David Stutzer. He breaks that down a little bit further. But Escada definitely seems like a guy with a lot of potential and a guy who, you know, two, three years down the road, you could be looking at as potentially one of the top five or ten prospects in the Pirate Farm system. Very much so, Marty. And, you know, Baseball America actually rated Escada as one of their potential breakout prospects um, for this upcoming year. And that, I believe, makes the third one from that Charrington has acquired in the in the last couple weeks here, right? That have been, yeah, has right. been listed yeah, as a breakout prospect. Yeah, Andy Rodriguez, no more Cruz Rosales' breakout prospects yeah. by Baseball America. Right, so you can kind of see what Charrington's doing here, especially with um, you know these younger prospects, and in this case for Escada, you're looking at um, you know he he's just turned 18 a couple months ago, so he's very very young still. But like you said, you like a lot of the uh, traits he brings. You like the build. You like the potential um, offense. He has a very good eye. Um, at the plate and like you said he has a very strong arm which is what makes him really interesting to me and what could really raise his trade value it'll be interesting to see if they bring him in and try to start to uh, transition him into more of a third baseman um, just looking at you know the Pirates minor league system and where strengths are you would you know third base is definitely thin 
albeit we do have Brian Hayes and we don't really need to worry about third base for a while, but you just never know and you can never have too many prospects. So I'll be interested to see his usage um, in in the field next year. Uh, But yeah, definitely an intriguing prospect, Um, you know, very similar to um, Andy Rodriguez in in the sense of an advanced hitter for his age. And so I'm I'm excited to see, um, you know, what he can bring to the Pirates lower minors this season. And you said it, Nick, I mean, you can never have too many prospects, guys that have just incredible ceilings, um, you know, like with Escato here. Another young talent coming to Pittsburgh in this deal, Cannon Smith. We heard a lot, uh, you know, since this deal broke about how he's come along really within the last couple of seasons. He is at 307 uh, in high A ball there in Charleston. Let's talk about Cannon Smith here, kind of the timeline we expect to see on him and, and his potential with the Pirates. Struck out just... 20% of the time with a walk rate of 14%. Another young, talented player uh, come to the Pirates. Yeah, once again, you're talking about a guy who has an advanced feel at the plate. Um, like you said, 20% strikeout rate in today's baseball. That's, you know, actually kind of below league average. So you, that's not, you know, that's that's good, especially when you consider, um, you know, his power uh, as a left-handed bat. He definitely has power potential. Um, first and foremost, uh, it comes from, you know, a, a solid frame. He stands at six foot, so he's not overly tall, but he's, he's filled out at 215. He's very physically mature. Um, you're looking at an ETA at 2022. Like you said, he was in high A in 2019. So, you know, you're looking at double A, say, this past year, triple A this year. So he definitely, honestly, 2022, maybe 2021, depending on how – uh, things go, you know, this season. I wouldn't expect uh, they have some guys ahead of him at this point in terms of outfield prospects, but he's not far off. And, you know, that's another thing to be excited about. Overall, the the intriguing tools you're looking at are his uh, 55 game power and a 60 raw power uh, via fan graphs. Um, you know, you're, you're buying a, a left-handed bat that you hope can, you know, you take advantage of that short porch and right field. Another thing with the Cannon Smith edition too, and we touched on this on the podcast discussing the Musgrove trade and the Musgrove Musgrove trade, excuse me, and Hudson Head being the headliner in it is one thing that gets overlooked in the Pirate Farm system is the outfield depth really isn't that great. So now you can throw Cannon Smith in there with Hudson Head to go with Travis Swagger he already had to go with Cal Mitchell to go with potentially O'Neill Cruz if he moves the right field, and all of a sudden the outfield depth in the farm system is starting to look a lot better. And again, it's one of those things like we talked about following the Musgrove trade. You know, you want to stockpile talent at positions because if you have five or six quality, like legitimate outfield prospects in your farm system, all five or six of them are not going to hit. But if two or three of them hit, your outfield's in great shape. And hey, you know what? If two of them hit or three of them hit, excuse me, and you still have Reynolds in left field, you can use someone as trade bait down the road when you're contending again to fill holes. So that's another reason I really like adding Smith in this trade bit. Like Nick said, the most intriguing part with him is undoubtedly that power. You know, it, it looks like he's going to have the ability to hit from, for some serious power down the road. I mean, he started to show that at high A in 2019 when he slugged 465 and had an ISO of 160 to go with 11 home runs. So – you're starting. You were starting to see that power come along 
for Cannon Smith in 2019. So this year, I, I'll be curious to see where he starts. I, I would would like to see the Pirates be a little aggressive there. I mean, he's already 21. He'll turn 22 at the end of April. I'd like to see them send him to AAA Indy and see what he can do. Um in the safe- That's kind of where I'm at with it, too. That's why I was, like, leery about that 2022. I think that might be – I mean, like, maybe, like, he'll start the year with the team in 2022. I I, I could see that. I, I I could see him getting a cup of coffee this yeah, September. Absolutely. I think it could be a similar 2022 ETA that you see on, like, Travis Swaggerty, where you're looking at 2022, the first year he cracks the opening day roster, but definitely not out of the realm of possibility if they play well to get to the majors in August or September of this year. And, again, the Pirate outfield, you know – it's not like this is the pirate outfield of days past. Like, I mean, you hope Reynolds is going to bounce back, but if he doesn't, you don't know what the hell is going on in center field. Who knows what Gregory Polanco is going to give you in right field. There could be opportunities there to be having on the major league roster this year as well. So it's, it will be very curious to see what they do with him. Like I said, I'd like to see them be aggressive with him, put him at AAA to start the year. But even if he does start the year without Altoona, I think he'll be with Indianapolis sooner rather than later. Being able to add depth is huge. It's it's massive, especially in the outfield. When you're able to see trades like the one we saw on Tuesday, one guy to bring in five, the one today, one guy to bring in four, um, you know, adding depth isn't, isn't much of a problem. A lot of young talent being brought in on both of these deals. I mean, you know, we talked about it on this podcast a ton. If you follow the Pirates baseball, you've probably seen this trend. Ben Charrington is adding a lot of arms. He, he's trying to stockpile, add depth. You know, when it comes to pitchers more than anything, for obvious reasons, adding two more young pitchers uh, in this deal as well. Guys though, that are closer to the majors, guys that, you know, will certainly probably see time with the Pirates this season. I want to start with Ronzi Contreras, 21 years old. Uh, he last pitched for the Yankees single A team back in 2019. Solid ERA, 333, uh, 1.06 whip. Let's talk about Contreras here, what you guys expect, what you like. Yeah, I'll be curious what happened to Ronzi Contreras as well. He's another guy like Cannon Smith. He's 21. Now, he won't turn 22 until next November. But had there been a 2020 minor league season, he most likely would have started a double A and could have picked his way to triple A, especially if he repeated the success he had at high A in 2019. Like you said, Trey, 3.33 ERA. And he did that in 24 starts and 132 in a third inning. So it's not like it was a small sample size either. You know, and to go with that good whip, he only gave up 10 home runs. You know, he, his walk rate was very strong at 6.7%. There's a lot here life with Ronzi Contreras. I mean, Dan Graff's gives his fastball with slider and change at all future value of 50. And his future value of Ron Dan Graff's is 40-plus, but he's probably one of those guys had he been able to pitch last summer, he'd probably see that be up more around 45. So I think Ronzi Contreras is going to be a very intriguing prospect to watch this year. And honestly, he's another guy that, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts to play, especially if you look at the pirate pitching depth right now. I mean, and this is something we'll probably get into an episode later this week, but that starting rotation, whew, there's not much left in the in the majors or in the high minors right now in terms of starting pitchers. So like, they might need a triple A just to fill a, fill a starting rotation for Indianapolis right now. So I'll be sure to see what happens. And he's another guy that, you know, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be pitches you aren't going to pitch well. You very well might see Stephen Brown and Chad Gould training yet. So you could definitely see him starting games in the Pirates in 2021. 
Yeah, I mean, you're probably right, Marty. Uh, you know, like you said, considering where the rotation is right now and just with injuries, especially uh, for some reason with the Pirates, they seem to especially always hit extra hard when we usually are in situations like this. So um, you're probably right. We'll probably see him this year. He's an interesting arm. I'm excited about him. He was definitely one of those arms, you know, looking at the – the Yankees system there the last couple, you know, hours leading up to the trade. Um, you know, he stood out. He, he was definitely one that you looked at as a potential uh, fit in the deal. So, uh, you know, I'm happy they added him. You're looking at number 15 on Fangraphs, uh, Yankees, uh, top 30 prospects. So solid value, solid second piece in this trade. Um, you know, we'll see with him. Uh, he's probably the piece that I'm a little, you know, I think out of the four, he's the one I have the most questions about just in terms of if he'll be, have good enough stuff to stay in the rotation or not. Um, but definitely another upside arm um, that is going to be intriguing to watch. Certainly, uh, you know, adding arms is, is huge and 21 years old, um, a lot of ceiling there as well. We may see him this season, a guy we expect to see this season, really the headliner of this deal, or at least the name that is getting the most buzz from this trade today. 22 year older Yahoo or no, 22 year older Miguel Yahoo Ray. I've been practicing that name all day. I think we're pretty close there now. Uh, this kid made his major league debut already back in 2020, came up at the end of um, this random Random. Came up at the end of this wild 60-game season. He threw solid seven solid innings, uh, but, you know, really didn't play much at that level. We have a small sample size, but another really high ceiling here and a guy that we expect to see, um, you know, at the majors throughout the 2021 season with the Pirates, Nick. Yeah, Trey, the, the thing most exciting about Yahoo Ray is the fact that he has big league experience. Like you said, it's not a ton, but – more or less he's look you're looking at him as Tyon's replacement in the rotation most likely uh you're looking at a guy who led the minor leagues in ERA in 2019 um so obviously he he has good stuff he was doing that at a young age I'm just gonna be turning 22 years old this season so there's a lot of boxes that he checks but the biggest one he checks really is um, he has four plus pitches. Uh, you're looking at a plus fastball. Um, his fastball can get up to 97 miles per hour. So obviously, you know, power stuff. You're looking at a curveball that Fangraphs ranks as 50 right now. But, you know, I'm willing to think that it actually might be a little uh, better than that. Uh, his curveball has very good spin rate to it. And that's something we've talked a lot about here on the podcast, especially during the draft and things like that as something Charrington really looks for in pitching prospects. While, you know, you look at Yahoo Ray, he has a small frame, six foot one, but oftentimes the the smaller frame guys that Charrington's targeting uh, light up that spin rate. And that's, that's exactly what we're getting here um, in Yahoo Ray. So I think, you know, he's definitely the guy that is going to make or break this deal, I think, just because he's he's the headliner and he's the guy that we're going to see first. So hopefully he comes in here and, you know, starts to show why Ben Charrington uh, made him the centerpiece of the deal. 
Well, first and foremost, I think we can all agree that it's going to be wonderful when the day comes that this starting rotation has both Michael Yahure and Carmen Majinski, and we're trying to say those with regularity without screwing them up. And listen to the teams play by play announcers just all over those names during series. But oh, it's going to be mess. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. But um, no, I, I I'm also like Yahure a lot. Um, Honestly, based off Ben Sherrington's comments, based off the fact he's made it to the majors, and based off the fact that, again, right now, you know, the Pirates starting rotation is a colossal question mark, it wouldn't be a stunner if he's in the rotation to start the season. I mean, you look, Brault's going to be there if he's not traded. Cole and Keller are going to be there if Cole isn't traded. But after that, it's, it's Will Crow, JT Brubaker, we have to throw Yahoo Ray in there now. So I, I don't think it's out of the question. It starts the year in the rotation. I definitely think the Pirates are going to give him a look as a starter. I mean, he pitched out of the bullpen last year for the Yankees and did it successfully. This entire entire Oh, my God. Let me start over. He pitched out of the bullpen last year for the Yankees and did it successfully. But his entire minor league career, he was a starting pitcher, and he had success doing that. I mean, in 2019 – he made 20 starts between high A and double A. He threw almost 140 innings. His ERA was under two of those two stops. He only gave up five home runs across the two levels as a starter. And the guy is a good pitcher, you know. So I'm very curious to see where he goes in the future. I definitely – I don't necessarily think he's a guy who can make or break this deal because I think Cannon Smith – has a very high ceiling. Um, also, a note real quick on Cannon Smith. I just found from doing a quick Google search, and this is something I like. I'm a big fan of guys who come, excuse me, from athletic families. And Cannon Smith actually goes by Cannon Smith and Jigba, and his brother is Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is a who is a five star wide receiver recruit who now plays for Ohio State. So fun fact there. But I think in between Cannon Smith and Yahoo, Rudd, they're probably the two guys. I think can make the biggest impact in a hurry. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Like, I, I think Yahoo, like I said, could very much start the year in the rotation. Not in the rotation. I think he starts here in the bullpen. I don't I don't think they're going to send him to AAA, but we'll see what happens. Either way, I definitely expect to see him pitch a good bit for the Pirates in 2021. Yeah, and, you know, Marty, I think when I was saying make or break, you know, I'm, I'm not thinking necessarily – I was thinking more in terms of uh, the fan base, you know, just because Yahoo Ray is going to be the first one they see. And, you know, he really needs to get off to a good start for, for the fans to be sold on this trade. And you know that, I know. But that that, that was the angle. Yeah, was like the, the three of us talked about this off air before we started recording. We said with Yahoo Ray and Contreras, they're going to be the two guys people want to hear most about because they're going to be two guys they see first. You know, most exactly. likely they're going to be – Unless something crazy happens with the outfield and Cannon Smith is just in the cover off the ball, you're, you're going to see Yahoo right and Contreras first. So they're going to be the two guys who, in the minds of the fans, are going to make or break this deal. You know, not if those two swap and Estrado turns into an all star down the road, people are still going to remember this deal negatively because they're going to think of Yahoo right and Contreras. Miguel Yahoo Ray, Ronzi Contreras, Michael Estrado. Cannon Smith, all coming for Jamison Tyone. Those are the prospects. You guys can check the full rundown on those. We have a great article out right now by Noah Wright, one of our staff writers, grading this trade, and we're going to do so here in a second. But first, let's take a second to talk about Jamison Tyone. 
his time in Pittsburgh and, and you know the impact he made. This is a guy that battled cancer, came back, uh, you know, went through two Tommy John surgeries. The cancer was in the middle of all that. An incredible, um, you know, story and just such an incredible guy as well. His time in Pittsburgh uh, had all kinds of ups and downs, but this community I know will remember him with a very positive light. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I always said when Jamison Tyone was here, he might have been the unluckiest human being on the planet. I mean, two Tommy Johns, hernia, testicular cancer. Like, the dude could not catch a break. What made it so unfortunate, not just for the Pirates, but especially for him, is when he's been healthy, he's been a darn good starting pitcher. Like, the guy was taking number two over on the draft for a reason. He was an 18- or 19-year-old kid, whatever it was, in the World Baseball Classic, striking out Ryan Braun when Braun was in his prime for a reason. The dude has nasty stuff, and he just he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And you feel awful for him, but, man, he's so easy to root for. I hope he does great in New York. I mean, Jamo's an awesome dude. He, he does a lot for the community. I mean, his coffee sales, if you've never looked into that, if you're a coffee freak like I am, get into it because the money that he earns from that goes towards a lot of charities and that sort of thing. Like, like I said, Jamie is all around awesome guy. He's so easy to root for. He's so laid back and easy going even after everything he's been through. And I hope he finds healthiness and a lot of success in New York. Yeah, Maurice. Um, Jameis and Tyon was one of the first prospects that I can recall covering. You know, I, I look at 2010 – uh, that year, I just finished up my junior year of high school. And, you know, I remember having the conversation. Actually, it was at a Legion baseball game in the dugout. Uh, should the Pirates take Tyon or Machado? And I, I honestly, I, I wanted Machado just because I wanted the shortstop. And I understood, though, that there was questions about Machado sticking at shortstop. And we had Pedro Alvarez already. And so I knew that, you know, hey, Tyon, this kid, he has a lot of potential too. And, you know, he showed that, like you said, the World Baseball Classic. I, I was never excited, more excited to watch a baseball game um, that wasn't the Pirates. Uh, he Just to see him pitch, you know, quite honestly, my dad looked at me that day and said, he's ready. Why isn't he up here? <laughs> and, you know, we, we, we know how the previous organization ran. And, of course, you know, once Tyon did get here, things just didn't go the way we had hoped. And, you know, it really wasn't anyone's fault. Like, like you said, Marty, he was one of the unluckiest players I've ever, you know, covered. And really the testicular cancer um, diagnosis was kind of, I think left a little bit of a shock actually to the Pittsburgh Pirates community, the fan base. I think people, you know, were getting so frustrated with the Pirates that it, it, it helped fans take a step back a little bit and understand that these guys are athletes and they are very much trying their best every day. And, you know, sometimes things happen that are out of their control. And I tie on, you know, was a great example for what it means to battle through things and overcome um, obstacles. And like Marty said, I just hope he can continue to do that in New York because he, he deserves it. Uh, he did a million things in this community, uh, was very much involved with the fan base. And, you know, one other thing that 
gets lost sometimes is that he also was the the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, players union rep. And, you know, he, he very much um, is considered to be a, you know, a very good union rep and really helps out the players and helps guide the young players. And, you know, we, we often talk about guys in the clubhouse and how that can be sometimes overblown, but Jamison Tyon's definitely the definition of a, a, a legitimate baseball player and a, a true uh, professional. Well said, well said. And you have to hope for the best for Jameson Tyone as he heads to New York. You're probably going to be in a spot where he's contending this year, so you feel good for him there. Um, the Pirates now, uh, with all these prospects coming in, have designated Tony Stokes Jr. for assignment. We'll keep you updated on that story as it comes. Let's talk about grading this trade, though, and, and the overall kind of feeling you have you know, after today, this was a trade that we saw coming. Didn't know exactly who the return was going to be. The Pirates land a number seven prospect, two deals in a row now. Uh, let's start with you, Marty. If you're going to give an overall grade to this trade, what's that going to be and why? Yeah, I really like the deal. Um, I, I think one thing people need to keep in mind here, I understood the argument for keeping Tyone and maybe letting him try and build some value back up. But at the same time, Ben Charrington had to weigh that against – what happens if he comes out and isn't healthy, gets hurt again, isn't himself, whatever it might be. So considering what he got and the fact that he would get four prospects, all four of which appear to have some pretty high upside, for a guy who's had two Tommy John surgeries and has not pitched since May of 2019, I think I Charrington think did a great job. I, I would give it an A. I really would. Um, honestly, if James and Tyone would have came out and pitched well in April, May, in June this year, and then the Pirates moved over the summer, and they got this return for him, I probably would have been pretty happy with it, let alone considering he's coming off the second Tommy John and hasn't pitched in almost two calendar years. So I think it's a very good trade. Um, one thing I really liked about it is it kind of really – can it, it goes well. It complements the Musgrove trade well. And what I mean by that is in the Musgrove trade, if you look at a lot of the pieces they got – Cruz and Fellows and Hudson Head, you know, a lot of guys, Andy Rodriguez, who are a little bit further off. And as we've talked about in this, uh, on this episode, whether it be Yahura or it be Contreras or potentially even Cannon Smith, you're talking about guys who could be in the majors, not this year, the next year. So one thing I really liked was, wow, the Musgrove trade brought a lot of talent into the, the, the lower minors this trade brought a lot of talent into the upper minors. And one big problem that the Pirates ran into in the final year or so of the Huntington tenure is they did not have a lot of talent in the upper minors. A lot of their high-end prospects and high-end talent was in the lower minors. And with this trade, with the Musgrove trade, the Bell trade, the Marte trade, guys he drafted last year where they're going to be at – Ben Charrington has done a terrific job of flooding both the upper and the lower minors with talent. Like I said, I think from that standpoint, this trade complemented the Musgrove trade perfectly. All great points, Marty. Uh, I, I'm on board with you. Uh, one of the most uh, more frustrating things that I was dealing, you know, uh, with in terms of just communicating with people about this trade, I you know a lot of people obviously on our Twitter um, friends texting me, calling me, you know whatever, just asking me my thoughts. And you know when when the rumors first started coming out about Tyon, you know looking like he's going to be dealt, everyone's first response was they're not going to get 
fair value. They're not going to get proper value. Build his value back up. And, you know, my response to all those people was, what, what is his value? Tell me what his value is. Because we don't know what his value was. Okay, and that, that, that's what it comes down to. We can, we can guess about Jamison Tyon and what teams were valuing him at, but now we see what his value was. And his value was obviously for top 20 potential prospects. So there was value there. Ben Charrington didn't just trade him to trade him. This wasn't a salary dump. This wasn't a, hey, let's trade our good players because that's what the Pirates do. This was Ben Charrington monitoring the market for starting pitching, which, you know, if you pay attention to free agency, the free agent starting pitching market is very uh, thin this year. Hence why Musgrove and Tyon were able to get returns. Hence why he's listening to Chad Cool and Stephen Brawl. My point is that Jameis and Tyon wasn't going to be given away. Charrington's having conversations probably had multiple conversations and multiple offers for Tyon that we'll never hear about because teams were willing to give up what Charrington viewed as proper value. Like you said, Marty. So what happens? We enter the season and he regresses. Now we get less return. Now we're all mad at Charrington for not trading him before he was exposed. Right. Or then like you said, maybe he comes in and he performs well. That's great. So we get to the trade deadline. Now you're looking at a pitcher of a season and a half of control. And oh, by the way, he still has had a lot of question marks in his past that teams are still going to consider, whether it's now or four months from now. So I don't really see how much Tyon's value could have could have gone up like maybe if he comes out and is just flat dominant like ace level but it's hard to envision you know and i i don't even think the yankees expect jameson tyon to come out day one and start dominating so really um this was a good trade i they got fair value because they got good value yeah, this again, and Nick hit the points. I think people need to keep that in mind. Like, even if JMO comes out, and let's say he would have made 15 starts for the Pirates this year, and throws a 340 ERA, 330 ERA, whatever it might be, that doesn't change the fact the guy has had injury issues almost nonstop since 2015. You know, outside of that 2018 season. He just had, and even in 2018, he still had injury. Like he just he hasn't been able to stay on the field, and like it sucks for him. It really does. But I think you need to keep that in mind. Like that's why Charrington made this deal. He wouldn't have made this deal if he wasn't getting the return he thought. I know I we we heard from multiple reports in the media. You know, Nick and I heard it from sources within the industry that they had offers on the table from multiple teams for Tyon. It wasn't just the Yankees. There was a lot of interest there. If Charrington didn't think he was getting fair value, he wouldn't have moved them. And again, even had Tyon come out and pitched well for two or three months to start the year, the Pirates were going to have a hard time getting more for him than they did. I think people really do underestimate how much value can be had in adding four top 20 organizational prospects, especially when you are in full-fledged rebuild mode like the Pirates are. And that's 
you know, that's one of the reasons why it's been nice to see the Pirates just go full-blown nuclear this winter and blow this thing the hell up the way they have. This is what the fan base wanted, I think, and this is not what we saw the last go-round, um, at least the second time, and that's kind of been the conversation. Well, this never was the case with Neil Huntington. It did happen one time, but this needed to happen again, at least a full blow-up. Um, ben Sherrington is you know, well underway with this now. And, and you know, when you talk value, usually when you trade a guy like Jameson Tyone at, at this point, I feel like you're, you're trading for guys that you don't know. They're question marks. They have high ceilings, but they're still prospects. That's the case this time, but Jameson Tyone also has a lot of question marks. I mean, shoot, you know, this podcast wasn't even a thing the last time he pitched. A worldwide pandemic has happened since then, so who knows? Um, you know, but you have to hope for Jameson. He comes out, delivers, and proves to be worth the deal for both teams. As we talk about the rest of this offseason, some other names come to mind, some other names get some buzz. Uh, one in our group message today, Chad Cool. Pirates are already pretty thin here when it comes to arms at the big league level. Does Chad Cool get dealt in the rest of this offseason? I think he's next up. Uh, honestly, just from Ken Rosenthal's report from a couple days ago that there are, in fact, some teams interested in Chad Cool. We know that dating back to last trade deadline that there were was at least the Toronto Blue Jays interested in Chad Cool. Uh, and of course, Toronto remains one of those teams who has still yet to add um, really significantly to their pitching rotation. So they're definitely a viable candidate still. And the Twins have had a relatively quiet offseason as well. So you got to figure that, you know, they're building up towards making some moves as well. Um, so, yeah, I think Chad Cole is next. I think Ben Charrington is working in a very linear way. I think he is taking it player by player. Uh, I I don't think he's trying to um, overwhelm himself or work too many angles at one time. I think that's why you've seen him operate kind of, you know, this in a methodical way. You know, I think teams, re- uh, people, I should say fans, really expected him to – come in and blow it up. And while he's done that, it's taken a little longer than people thought it would. You know, I think people, people didn't expect people expected, you know, there to be a lot of moves, but I think people also maybe expected that to be going on in uh, December and January, uh, early January, not so much, you know, a month out of spring training. Yeah. I'm with you on Cole. It wouldn't surprise me if he goes, Um, you know, after, the Tyone, it was Saturday night whenever it became very clear Jameson Tyone's time with the Pirates probably had less than 24 hours left. Uh, Steven Nesbitt of The Athletic tweeted out, like he said, you know, if you're going to move Tyone, you might as well flip Cole at this point. And, you know, that that's where I'm at with it. You know, Cole probably has, might have sneaky good trade value because of his stuff. I think teams are going to trade a little bit more for Chad Cole than people might think. I'm not saying Cole would net some crazy return. Obviously, he's not going to get anywhere near the return. Musgrove and Tyone have, but he's got really, really good stuff, and teams would be willing to pay to take a gamble on him. So I think that it wouldn't surprise me if Cole goes. I still won't be surprised if Brawl goes. I mean, teams always are looking for left-handed pitching. But I also think, you know, if you see the Pirates move another starting pitcher, you're going to see them bring in starting pitching. And I think Jaron Dean kind of hinted at that today. He said they're going to start to focus more now on adding to the major league roster. And, I mean, obviously right now, as we kind of touched on earlier, this starting rotation, there, there, there's not much there. 
So if they do move guys, I think you're going to see them add some reclamation guys who they could potentially flip in July. You know, your Derek Holland, your Jordan Lyles, guys like that. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see Cole or Broad or both get moved. I think right now, with the exception of Key Brian Hayes, Brian Reynolds, and Mitch Keller, absolutely everybody on this major league roster is available. And Ben Charrington would trade them in a heartbeat if the right deal came along. And you see Ben Charrington say today, he's going to keep the phone on regardless here. Names like Chad Cool, names like Steven Brault, um, everybody, like you said, still on the block with the exception of just a few. Uh, let's get into it a little bit further, though. How do the Pirates, you know, what's the strategy in replacing major league talent when it comes to the pitching staff? Where do they look to for right now if they weren't to make any other moves? Or what moves do you see um, them making before the season starts to replenish there uh, in the starting five in the bullpen as well? Um, by, by the time you listen to this episode of the podcast, this article should be live on the website, but I'm going to have an updated projection of what the Pirates starting rotation could look like in 2021. Um, right now you're probably looking at Brawl, Mitch Keller, Chad Pohl, JT Brubaker, and then I would guess either Will Crow, you know, Miguel Yahura, or potentially Cody Ponce. I, I would lean right now probably either Crow or Yahura is that last spot. But that said, I do think you're going to see them go in free agency and add somebody to this starting rotation. If nothing else, you need depth. I mean, they just don't have bodies right now. And, you know, you're not going to – you don't want to put yourself in a position where, let's say you get into the end of April and two starting pitchers are hurt, and all of a sudden, rather it's Cody Bolton, rather it's, you know, Contreras who they just added today, you have to throw somebody in there who isn't ready for the majors yet or isn't ready for their workload yet. And that causes a lot of issues. So I do think they'll add at least one veteran starter. I still think they're going to add something to the outfield because again, the, the outfield's just very messy, very unsettled right now. And Charrington has expressed interest in that. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them do something about first base yet. I mean, yes, you have Colin Moran over there, but you probably at least want to get somebody to platoon with him. And if there is a universal DH year, which still seems like a possibility, you could always put Moran there as well. So I do think they had another starter. I think they had more outfield help and potentially something for first base. The bullpen I don't think is as pressing of a matter. I mean, the Pirates have a lot of options down in the bullpen right now. So I think you're going to see them roll a lot of a lot of young guys down there to kind of figure out who is and is not part of this bullpen long term. At the same time, you want to have some of your veterans like a Richard Rodriguez or Chris Stratton, potentially even Edgar Santana, pitching in a lot of high leverage situations to build up in trade value. Yeah, Marty, I think we're about to see um, the Pirates move in a little bit of a different direction. Like you said, I think we're going to see them start adding. I think we're going to see them maybe take some flyers on, you know, some veterans who are looking at, you know, potential one short, short-term short deals, we'll say one, maybe two years. Um, you know, potential trade chips, whether it be this trade deadline or next offseason. One pitcher that I would like to see them go after would be Tayon Walker. You know, I'm a big fan of his, always have been. Um, he was actually in the same draft class as Jamison Tyon was, you know, a, a top pick and considered to be like basically uh, him and Tyon were, you know, pretty much side by side in prospect rankings coming up through the, the systems. So he, he's a guy with a high pedigree. He also has had uh, injury issues in the past, which is why his free agent market is somewhat suspect. Now he did pitch very well last year, um, especially for Toronto. And, 
you know, there's upside there, but it seems like there isn't a huge market for him right now. And I would really like Charrington to, you know, be maybe a little aggressive on him. Uh, the pirates with such a low payroll right now, and it's such a low payroll, even last year, uh, Charrington talks about how it's about, you know, he, they have money they're going to spend when, you know, it makes sense to spend. I think, uh, it makes sense to spend a little money right now on a couple of flyer guys that you could potentially flip or, you know, look as pieces, to extend down the road. I like the idea, uh, you know, a lot of, moves to happen between now and and really when this team is is looking to compete but it is going to be more about adding now we've seen the biggest names already dealt potentially chad cool potentially steven brought some other guys on the way as well we're going to see who the pirates decide to add to this this staff and this bullpen as we get closer to the season and we're going to keep you guys updated on any other moves that happen and any other um what am i trying to say i mean let me cut that uh, guys, go check out that article. Marty will have it out tomorrow morning. What am I saying tomorrow? They don't know that. Go check out that article on reloading the uh, the pitching depth. Marty, I feel terrible, man. You're having to turn around and update this. It seems like every day now with these moves going down. Uh, but oh, go yeah, check out. In the world. <laughs> exactly. Great content there and, and all kinds of content out right now, guys. We have so many talented writers. We're bringing on more all the time to, to help contribute and keep you guys as updated as possible. As always, you can find our podcast on Omni.com, fansided.com slash RumBunter, on our Twitter at RumBunter, and download the RumBunter app as well to find all of the content. That's all the time we have for this episode of RumBunter Radio. Thanks for listening, guys. Have an excellent week. Let's go, Bucks. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.